Our theme or our uh, title for our message today is sent out by the Holy Spirit. So we're going to kind of zero in on that as our topic. But as we come to the passage that we just read, especially the first few verses, maybe verses uh, one through four, uh, this is actually one of my favorite passages in the book of Acts. And um, it's a favorite of mine for a couple of reasons. Number one, because this is the text that, that tells us about the great uh, missionary thrust that is now going to begin. And, and this is what we're going to be looking at throughout the remainder of the book. So, so this is the beginning of what is commonly called Paul's first uh, missionary journey. This is where they go out and they begin to preach the gospel and establish churches all throughout the, the Roman world. So uh, as many of you know, I uh, have a great, a great passion for the mission enterprise. So for that reason, I, I really uh, like this text. But secondly, I, I really like this text because in it we see uh, the Holy Spirit being very... Uh, specific and direct in his uh, instruction to those men as to what they are do uh, what what they are to do in, in regard to, to getting the gospel out so it's one of those it's one of those places where we're reminded that God's in charge of the church that God has a plan for the church you know uh, there's there's a lot of times there's a big emphasis on you know, coming up with a strategy, coming up with a plan. Hey, what are we going to do about this or that? And, um, you know, obviously it's fine to strategize to a certain degree, but what we really have to always keep in mind is that God has a plan himself and God knows what he's going to do. He knows uh, who he's going to do it with. He knows how he's going to get it done. And so this passage just reminds me that that is the case. So I, I love the passage for uh, that reason as well. But it's in this particular text right here that um, our theme for our whole study of the book of Acts, it kind of comes through. Because remember, our theme is uh, the spirit, the church, and the world. And so that's what we have here in the, in the text. We have the spirit in speaking in the context of the church about the mission of the gospel into the world. So it's all kind of wrapped up in um, these few verses here. So I, I want to do a couple of different things. Uh, first of all, I want to just touch on, on three things somewhat lightly, a couple of things here uh, right in front of us. And, and then I want to spend the majority of our time looking more specifically just at the whole thing of uh, the, the ministry of the Spirit in relation to the story before us here. So first thing I want us to notice is that we are told in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Notice that there were certain prophets and teachers. Um, there, there was a plurality in this, this leadership of the church. Now, these uh, ancient churches, they um, many times they were they were uh, house churches. So the church in Antioch would not have necessarily 
uh, been like us. Like, you know, we have a building and we meet in the same place congregationally uh, each week. Uh, they, they might have had something like that that they used, but more than likely, and, and maybe even both things, uh, the situation was they, they met in house type of groups. And um, so, but, it, but it's one church. It's, it's the church in the city of Antioch. And uh, we see that there are these uh, different leaders. There are prophets and teachers. And so we, we kind of have a tradition and a model of having, you know, it's like a senior pastor model where you have one, consistently you have, have sort of one voice speaking. And I mean, that's good, since, especially since I am the senior pastor and I get to do this. I'm very appreciative of that. But also, I think it's very valuable and it's important for us to recognize it's good to have some diversity. It's good to have some other voices. I really appreciate the, the men that serve alongside of me here and are able to teach God's word and able to bring, uh, you know, clarity and, and just able to get up and really do a good, effective job. And I think we should, we should be careful not to get, get in the mindset that we, we kind of only listen to one voice. Uh, I think that can become unhealthy if there's just, you know, just one preacher, I only listen to this preacher, um, you're, you're going to limit your uh, growth and development, really, because one, one person can only give so much. So, so it's, a, it's a good thing. And it's a bit of a side note here, but that, that's what this picture here reminds me of that, that there were prophets and teachers, and then uh, they are named for us. Now, we've looked at this passage a couple of times already, looking at the church in Antioch, uh, kind of seeing some of the different uh, aspects of the ministry there. Um, and, and what we see when we have these different men that are named Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, uh, who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As I pointed out before, and I'll just mention it again, what we see here is, is diversity in the leadership. There's racial diversity. There's uh, cultural diversity. There is social diversity, and that's a good thing as well. Um, a church should reflect, congregationally, a church should reflect its community, and uh, leadership-wise as well, the church should reflect the community that, that it's in. So I, I really like the, the diversity that we see in the leadership here in all of those areas, whether it be racially, cult culturally, or socially. And then the third thing, is as we look at the story here, we find them ministering to the Lord together. So they're ministering to the Lord. What does that mean? Well, uh, another way to translate the word here could be worship. So they were worshiping the Lord. They were together as God's servants, waiting upon the Lord, worshiping him, giving time to just expressing their love and thanks and praise to the Lord. And it was in that environment that all of the rest of the stuff happened. So it was in that environment that God spoke. 
And we're going to see that uh, if we want God to speak to us, which hopefully we do, uh, we have to recognize that, that that's going to happen uh, more probably if we're in uh, a mindset and a place where we are seeking and worshiping the Lord with God's people. So the person who doesn't really engage with the people of God on any kind of a consistent basis uh, and, and has sort of isolated themselves, but yet is saying, well, you know, I really want to know God's plan, purpose, will for my life. Uh, you're going to have a hard time finding that out on your own. You need to come together with the people of God, worship the Lord together, because as we see here, that is the context for God speaking. So the Holy Spirit said, uh, the Holy Spirit, let's just refresh ourselves for a moment on the person of the Holy Spirit. Then we want to look at the Holy Spirit said, and then finally the, the Holy Spirit sent them. So when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the third person who is God. So there are three persons or centers of consciousness. It's, it's a little bit difficult to even explain because when we say person, we automatically think of you know, people who are individual persons. They're, they're totally distinct and separate from one another. But with God, you have a different situation. You have three persons that are distinct, but they are simultaneously one God. So it, it's a little bit hard for us to get our heads around. But the reason I'm, I'm emphasizing this here on uh, the Holy Spirit being the third person of the triune God is because sometimes we, we forget that. We forget that just as there's God the Father and God the Son, we forget that there's God the Spirit as well. And God the Father is the architect of our salvation. God the, the Son is the one who procured our salvation or who you know, carried out the, the work to, to make it a reality. And the Holy Spirit is the one who applies it to us. Now, the Holy Spirit is, in, in one sense, the Holy Spirit is, um, he's replaced Jesus in a sense. I mean, you know, he's the Spirit of Christ, so it's not like, it's a different person. I mean, it is a different person, but it's not a different person. So that's where it gets a little bit complicated. But, um, but, but what I mean by replace Christ is this. So when Jesus was here on earth, Jesus even said to his disciples, he said, look, I'm going away. I'm going to the Father. They're depressed about that. He said, no, uh, it's better for you that I go away because if I go away, the spirit will come. And he says, don't, don't be uh, grieved he said, because I'm going to send you another helper, the other helper who is like me. So when I say the Holy Spirit has kind of, uh, in a sense, replaced Jesus, what I mean by that is that what Jesus was to, to the men uh, there at that time, he's there present with them. He's instructing them. He's leading them and, and all of those kinds of things. The Holy Spirit now has taken up that work now that Jesus has ascended and the Holy Spirit has descended. And the reason, one of the reasons why Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away, because of course, when Jesus was here, 
he had a limitation. He had a uh, limitation that was there because of his body. He's in a body, so he's restricted to uh, being in one location. The Holy Spirit is not restricted. The Holy Spirit can be uh, here with us this moment and equally with somebody on the other side of the world in a completely different time zone in the very same way present there with them, the Spirit of Christ. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, that's who we're talking about. And the Holy Spirit is the one who is um, directing the church. We are the, uh, the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Individually, as believers, if anyone is not indwelt by the Spirit, they do not belong to Christ, Paul says in Romans 8. So every true believer is indwelt by the Spirit. And then collectively, we as the church collectively, we are the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in us. And the Holy Spirit is uh, just like Jesus. He's Lord over the church. And so we read here, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said. Now, just again, to, to emphasize it, we could simply, if we wanted to, we could just say, as they uh, ministered to the Lord and fasted, we could say, the Lord said. Or we could say, God said. Um, because we're talking about the same person. Here, we are talking specifically about the third person, who is God. So secondly, the Holy Spirit said. So how did the Holy Spirit say, separate to me Barnabas and Saul? Now, remember, we're told that there were prophets and teachers in the church that is in Antioch. So what I want to talk about for a second is how is it that the Holy Spirit speaks to us? And there's a number of different ways. And let me just look at three of them. First of all, the Holy Spirit will speak to us through uh, the prophets and teachers or through preaching and teaching. So when somebody is preaching or somebody is teaching God's word, we are of the conviction and the expectation that the Holy Spirit is going to be speaking through us. And so the things that we're going to be saying are not simply our thoughts or our words, but they are words that are coming to a person from the Lord. And so this is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit speaks. So they're worshiping the Lord. They're waiting upon the Lord. And uh, undoubtedly, through the, the prophets that are there, through the teachers that are there, undoubtedly, that word came through one of them. Separate to me, Barnabas and Saul. And so it is through uh, preaching and teaching. Uh, let, me, let me give you an example of what this would look like. And maybe, maybe you haven't even realized that you have been the recipient of a prophetic word. Um, but when I describe this, you'll realize, oh, yes, I've had that before. 
Um, maybe you've had the experience where you've come in to maybe the church service, maybe here or in another place, somebody's preaching, somebody's teaching, and as, as this preaching, teaching thing is happening, you are feeling like things that, that only uh, you know that you're concerned about or, or, or issues or, or questions that, that only you know reside there in your heart, uh, those, those things are all being addressed. So in other words, you feel like you're just being singled out and spoken to. This is so real and happens so often that I have had many times this experience, and not just me, but other, other preachers, uh, people will come to me and say something like this. Maybe a man comes and says, so, uh, yeah, I guess my wife told you I was coming this morning, huh? Uh, excuse me, sir? Yeah, well, you know, you, you obviously talked to my wife because, you, you know, you're telling my life story up there. Uh, well, actually, I don't even know who your wife is. No, I have had no conversation with your wife, but guess what? God knew you were coming, and God knows what's going on in your life, and it's God who's speaking to you. And, I mean, that's, you know, kind of a, a, a scenario where maybe, you know, somebody's convicted or something. And, and I've seen that plenty of times. But I've also seen plenty of times where a person might come and say a similar kind of a thing, but w with a different context or, or emphasis to say, you know, I came in today with a list of like 10 questions and you answered every single question. How did you know? Uh, how did you know that those were the things that were on my mind? Well, uh, I, I didn't know that. But the Spirit knows that. And so the Spirit of God speaks into people's lives and, again, answers sometimes the, deep, the deepest questions of their heart or just concerns that they're dealing with or fears that they might have. Or, in some cases, like here, uh, a person is, is maybe seeking direction and it's through the, the preaching that that direction comes. So that's, that's one way. There's also what I would call, and I'm just kind of making up these definitions myself, but I'm trying to <clears throat> define what I'm talking about, um, what I would call a prophetic utterance. So the difference is that we're not talking about a preacher here, but we're talking more about a person, another believer uh, in the, the body of Christ who has an impression on their heart from the Lord and then goes to a person and says, you know, I, I feel like God wants me to share this with you. And they do, and you respond by saying, wow, that's amazing. That's exactly what I was concerned about. And how did you know? And well, of course, they knew because God gave them a, a prophetic word. So it's a, it's a prophetic utterance in that sense. God speaks through one believer to another believer and gives them personal, encouraging, directive, whatever the case might be, but gives them a word. But then there's also what I would call prophetic conversations. And a prophetic conversation... now. In both of the previous examples, when someone is preaching, like I myself, 
Uh, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, I can even sense myself when there's a prophetic thing happening. I can, I can feel it because I'm going in a direction that I, I'm even asking myself, why am I going in this direction? But I, I, I get enough of a sense that God is leading me in this direction. And sure enough, that oftentimes is the very thing that really you know, spoke to a person. So you've got that. Then with the, the prophetic utterance, you also, you as the, as the bringer of the prophetic word, so you have a sense. God's just putting this on your heart. So you have a sense that God is speaking through you to somebody else. Now, when it comes to this next thing, the prophetic conversation, this is one that's interesting because I've seen this many times over and the person who's delivering the prophetic word in this case doesn't even realize that that's what's happening. They don't know it. They're just talking. They're having a conversation. But the listener suddenly realizes, wow, in this conversation, things that they're saying are speaking directly to issues that are there in that person's life. Now, I, I have had this experience a number of times where I'm in conversation with somebody and they don't have the slightest idea that what they're saying in the conversation is God speaking right to me. And, and I'm marveling. I'm, I'm listening going, wow, this is amazing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I needed you to speak to me. And here this, this unsuspecting uh, person is just talking about you know, something rather random, it might seem. But nevertheless, it, it comes through prophetically. So this is what we're talking about. The, the Holy Spirit said, the Spirit speaks to us. Um, I have a vivid memory from many, many years ago. Uh, some of you have heard me mention about a season, a long season of illness that I went through. And along with that illness, there was a ton of confusion about life and ministry and everything else. And, and I remember there was a season there uh, in the midst of that long illness where I just was desperate to hear a word from the Lord. I, I, I just got to a place where I, I felt like I can't even go on unless God speaks to me. So I, I was really in my spirit and, and even in my prayers, I was crying out, you know, Lord, speak to me. And uh, it was during this time that we we were traveling a little bit with uh, Pastor Chuck and with Kay. And, and I remember we went on a trip together with them and Pastor Chuck was speaking at a church on that morning. And of course, you know, we went along and nobody knew this except me. I was, I was just so desperate. So I was hoping that this would be the moment when God would speak to me because I just, I needed the word and I needed it yesterday. And so we go and, you know, we go to the church and I'll never forget, you know, Pastor Chuck gets up and he says, uh, he, he tells everybody to open their Bibles to Habakkuk and uh, he's going to give a message that I had heard him give, I don't know, three or four times prior to this moment. And because I had heard him give the message before, the minute he said open to this particular text, I thought, oh, darn, you know. God's not going to speak to me today because I know this message. I know what Chuck's going to say. I know all the points. This is not, uh, seriously, in my mind, I was just like, oh, Lord, I need you to speak to me yesterday and you're not even going to speak to me today because I know what Chuck's going to say about this. 
And so I sat there, and Pastor Chuck began to teach on Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith. And by the time that message was over, this is what it felt like. It felt like there wasn't a single other person in that building except me, and the person speaking was not Pastor Chuck Smith. It was the Lord himself. That's how incredibly prophetic and, and intimate that message became. And that was a message that defined my life from that day to this day. And the message was, the just shall live by faith. And the Lord just said, Brian, this is my word for you. You're going to live by faith. In other words, you're not going to see it. You're not necessarily going to feel it. You're not necessarily going to want it. But you're going to do it, and you're going to do it by faith. And, and it was so powerful. It was so prophetic I left there that day surprised, like I said, because I was expecting that to not happen after I heard what the message was going to be. But I also left there in peace, knowing that God had spoken to me. And I could now just simply rest in what he said. So we're talking about this kind of ministry, God saying, God speaking, and my whole point in sharing all this with you is this still happens today. God speaks to us today. We come here on Sundays. I hope you come here on Sunday uh, to, to have God speak to you because that's what he does. He wants to speak into our lives. And of course, in uh, the situation here, he's speaking very specifically and he's giving very clear instruction. So the Holy Spirit said, and then as we read on, we come to verse four, and it says, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit. So these are the two things. The Holy Spirit says, and then the Holy Spirit sends. Now, the Holy Spirit sends, I'll come back to these in a moment, but um, we, we see in the context that uh, prayer is part of the sending, they pray. Um, we can assume that provision was also made for them as they were sent, but what we also see as we read the, the whole story, as we move on to them going to Cyprus and eventually going to Paphos in Cyprus, and this encounter with Sergius Paulus, and this, uh, uh, who was the, the proconsul of the region and uh, a man who was intelligent, as the text says, and he was open to the gospel. But remember, there's this sorcerer, this man, uh, Elamus, or Bar-Jesus, and he is a false prophet. He's a Jew, but he's engaging in sorcery, and here we see that the Holy Spirit sent them out with power, because as they are seeking to lead Sergius Paulus to faith in Christ, uh, Bar-Jesus, the, the false prophet, opposes them and then, if you remember, it says this in verse 9, then Saul, who is also called Paul, and incidentally, this is the place where uh, the transition comes in the name uh, from Saul to Paul. So never again in Acts will Saul be called Saul. He will, from this point forward, be called Paul. And also from this point forward, Paul becomes the evident leader and Barnabas takes a subservient sort of a role. So that, that's just kind of incidental to the text. But Saul, who is also called Paul, look what it says, filled 
with the Holy Spirit. So you see, the Holy Spirit sent them, and part of that sending was to empower them. So he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looks intently at this man, uh, Elamus, and he says, oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil. Now he said, his name was Bar-Jesus. You know what that means? Son of Jesus. So this guy was presenting himself as somehow connected to Jesus. And Paul says, oh no, you're not connected to Jesus. You're the son of the devil. And through the power of the spirit, places a judgment upon this man and uh, he goes away, you know, he's blinded. He goes away groping. And um, Sergius Paulus sees this power and Sergius Paulus believes the gospel. And we assume that he received Christ as a result of that. So, prayer, provision, power. Now, as we've been emphasizing the work of the Spirit, here's the application. I don't want us to miss this. That the Holy Spirit is working through people. See, everything we're reading the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit did, but there's people connected to it. So when we talked about the Holy Spirit said, how did he say it? Was there just suddenly an, an audible voice out of nowhere in the room that said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called them to? No. More than likely, although that is possible, but more than likely it was through one of the prophets who was there. They received that word from God and they spoke that word from God. And so when we think about God speaking to us, this is the point. God's going to speak to us oftentimes through other people. Preachers and teachers, through brothers and sisters with a, a prophetic utterance, sometimes just in random conversations that actually turn out to be prophetic conversations. We didn't even know it. But again, the common denominator is people are involved. So what does that tell us? It tells us that we have to be with people. We have to be together. We have to be part of the community. We have to be part of the body. You know, one of the most unhealthy things you can do as a Christian is fail to connect with the body of Christ. If you are isolated, if you're just on your own, if you're out there just going, well, you know, I'm following the Lord, but uh, you know, I've got my Bible and I listen to the radio, Bible teaching and all that, but I don't really plug into a church and I don't really know any other believers, you're, you're hugely missing out. And the likelihood that you're gonna be getting clear directive prophetic words from the Lord is, is decreased because you're not in an environment or around the people where that's going to happen. So we can't be independent Christians. God intended that when you become a believer in Jesus, you are, you, you are born into a family and you are to engage with that family. So God speaks through people. And then the same is true as we read about the Holy Spirit sending them out. So we've already seen, he used people, what did they do? Well, they prayed for them. 
They laid hands on them. They prayed for them. So that was one thing. And like I said, we can assume that there was provision that was made. The people provided. They didn't just say, okay, see you later. Go out there and change the world for Jesus. No, there was a a connection. And actually, there was an ongoing connection between these men and this church because they would go out on these journeys and then they would come back. This was their home base, so to speak. And they would come back and report and tell everybody all that God had done. So there was an ongoing connection and there was a support system. And so again, the point being, this is the way God still works. He uses people. He uses people to speak into our lives. And he uses people to pray for us. And he uses people to help uh, those that he's calling to go into specific places. He uses them to help uh, get his servants there. So it's one big uh, joint effort that we're all involved in. But if, but if our mentality is just that, well, you know, I, I go to this church, yeah, I go there on Sundays. Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty regular, you know, I go like every six weeks, you know, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> it's so funny, I'll meet people, you know, and haven't, I, I remember years ago, there was a, a guy, um, this is when I was pastoring in London, and, you know, he's a great guy, and you're kind of getting to know him, and, and then I, I didn't see him for like, I don't know, three months. And, and I remember he came back to church one morning, we were talking, and I said, so I just, because in our previous conversation, he told me how much he loved the church, and man, this is my church, and this is the greatest church I've ever been to. And so I just said, hey, well, I thought this was your church. He goes, it is my church. Oh, well, where you been? Well, I don't know, you know, but it's still my church. So he didn't make any connection like, you should go to your church. He just had a church that when he decided he wanted to go, well, that's my church. Uh, that's not the way it works. That, we've got to engage. We talk about the community groups. We got you know, all different kinds of things happening. Uh, and I know, yes, oh man, but my life is so busy and all of that. Yeah, everybody's life is busy. But there's priorities in life. And the big priorities are, man, I got to hear God speaking to me. I, I, I want to be involved in the plan and the purpose of God for my life because God has a plan and a purpose. And that's what I'm going to close with. There is still much work to be done. And the Holy Spirit wants to use us. The Holy Spirit wants to send some out. The Holy Spirit wants a support base for those that are being sent. And all of those things are going to happen as we come together consistently as God's people. And as we saw originally, as they worshiped the Lord, as they waited upon God, it was there that God really made clear his call, his plan, his purpose for these men at, at, at that particular time. And, you know, as you and, and me, as, as we are looking for God's direction for our lives as we're seeking to discover God's will, whatever it might be. This is gonna, how it's going to happen. It's going to happen as we come together faithfully and consistently as the people of God and seek him 
And like I said, there, there's still uh, much work to be done. You know, because what was started that we've been studying here through the book of Acts uh, is still going on today. This, this uh, getting the gospel out into the world and seeing people come to Jesus and be built up in their faith and become members of God's family and part of his uh, new humanity and community, all of that is still happening today. We're, we're, we're still engaged in this same thing. And we can't get distracted from that. And there are so many distracting things. I mean, some of the things that are distracting us are just so petty and, and you know, in, in the end, you just think, wow, really? You're, you're not seeking the Lord for that? You're glued to the TV or to the internet or to, you know, something like that. And that's consuming all of your time and energy and everything. And, uh, you know, and those are the things, obviously, we just need to, we need to set that aside. And sometimes the distractions are maybe, maybe they're noble causes or, or something that we think is, well, this is, you know, we've got to really make sure this gets done or. We've got to be involved in that, and maybe, but remember that according to Scripture, the need is not the call. The call is the call. What do I mean by that? People have asked me, like, well, why, you know, why do you go minister in, like, England? You know, aren't there far greater needs in other parts of the world? Well, probably so. And I, I will go, you know, to other parts of the world as well. But I want to go where God calls me to go. <laughs> because if God calls me to go there, then I know it's going to be effective. It's going to be fruitful. If I just look at a map and say, okay, where's the place of the greatest need? Well, I can go to the place where there's the greatest need. But if God hasn't called me to go there, then I'm just going to add to the problem, not solve the problem. So we believe that the call is the call, not the need being the call. Of course, God will call us to places where the need. God knows what's needed everywhere. And he knows not only what's needed, but he knows uh, what the, the climate is. He knows what the atmosphere is. He knows what's happening in the spiritual realm. And, and we might look at a certain place and say, well, the need is greater over there, but... Um, actually God's calling you over here because what you do here in the long run is going to have an effect over here. But, but at the time, you can't see that. So, one other distraction that we need to be careful about. And this one's... Um, th th this one is... I think very, it's subtle, but it, it can be a distraction. It's the, the distraction of guessing, trying to figure out, and trying to base life on when we think the Lord's coming back. Now, just this couple days ago, you know what's happened uh, with Syria, and because of the chemical... Um, 
weapon use there on their own citizens. The U.S. and Britain and France decided to give a response to that, and so the bombing is going on. And immediately what you see all over the Internet is, this is it. It's the end. You know, just like Isaiah said, or just like Daniel said, it's all coming down right here. And let me just say this. Nobody knows when it's all coming down. Nobody. Your greatest prophecy experts don't know. Jesus Christ said he didn't know. So if Jesus said he didn't know the day or the hour of his return, do you think the guy that's predicting what, April 24th, is that what's the new one is? The fact that anybody would even give a second's thought to that, to me, is baffling. It's like, you're kidding? Of course that's not the day. You can just pretty much <laughs> stake your life on that one. And I like to tell people when there's a date set and they're all full of anxiety about it and they want to talk to me about the date, and I say, well, you know, let's wait till after the date and then we'll talk about it. Because <laughs> I promise you we will have the opportunity. But what am I saying? I'm saying that these things can become a distraction from the thing that we are called to do. And Jesus himself said it to his own disciples at the very beginning of the story of the book of Acts when they asked him the question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? That, that's what they're asking about. Or is this it? Are you going to set up the millennium? And what did Jesus say? He said, it's not for you to know. The times of the seasons that the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's where we're still at today. It's not for you to know the times of the seasons. It's not for us to get all hung up on this and trying to figure all of this out. That can become a distraction. What are we to do? Well, you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that's what we are to do. We are to keep moving forward with the gospel, to keep advancing the gospel, taking it <coughs> into places where either it's not been or it was there a long time ago or it, you know, help is needed, whatever. That, that's what we are to be doing. And... As we seek the Lord, as we worship him together, as we wait upon him, he will give us that word. He will speak as he did here in our text and say things like, separate to me these people for this particular task. Now, I am of the firm conviction that every single one of us have something that God is going to speak to us and say, I, I'm setting you apart for this. Now, they were sent out. They were sent out on this long journey, and they would go out more times than this. Uh, we might just be sent to a new neighborhood. We might be sent to a new job. We might be sent to a new profession, but we also might be sent to a different country. It's possible. But the, the thing that we need to be is, is open 
and waiting upon the Lord, worshiping the Lord, which implies they're yielded to the Lord so he can speak and then we can go wherever it is that he calls us to go and to do whatever it is that he has planned for us to do for him. So may God help us to just have that, that yieldedness to him and to, to just be seeking him and, and know that in his time and in his way, as we do that and as we put ourselves in those places that God will speak, he'll speak to us and he will give us the word we need. So Lord, we pray for that. We look at the, the story here and we thank you for the reminder that you are the Lord of the church, that you speak, Lord, to your servants, that you give specific direction and guidance for the call, the plan, the purpose that you have for our lives. And Lord, we thank you too that you just speak to us and remind us of your love for us. You remind us of your grace and you remind us of your forgiveness and, and just your good plan for us personally. We thank you, Lord, that you are the living God. You are the God who is there and you are the God who speaks. Oh, how we are so thankful for that. And so, Lord, do speak to us, we pray. And Lord, I pray for any today that maybe you're speaking to them now. Maybe you've been speaking to them and yet they haven't recognized it, but you're confirming to them this hour, your word, whatever it might be. But Lord, just as we look forward into the future, as we look at the days ahead, help us, Lord, to leave in your hands the things that we have no control over and help us to engage in those things that you have appointed for us to do. And Lord, I would also pray today for any with us that have yet to receive you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, their lives are uh, marked by aimlessness and wandering and confusion. I pray that they would know today that there's a God who created them, loves them, and has a plan for them, that they would yield themselves to it. So go before us and guide us. We ask in Jesus' name.